Well, all right. Welcome back to another episode of On the Bench with Beaks. This is number 68, and we're kicking off season three of our lovely podcast. I am Hell your host, yeah. Cody Beekman, and with me, as always, is Bryce McMillan. Hey, what's up? Hello. And we've got Ross Mormeyer. What's up, guys? Uh, record extraordinaire. And today we've got a <laughs> returning guest. Uh, we're so stoked to have him. Peter McNabb is back on the pod. Peter, what's going on, buddy? Not too much. I, you know, I'm I'm happy. You know that we had that nice 15 minute rehearsal. That was, oh, you know, that, no, it was great, I, wasn't it? You know, you know, I there's a couple of things I wanted to change. I've got them written down here. I'll go in a different direction. A couple of these things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to hear the end of this right now. Oh no! Oh, <laughs> this is going to be great. Uh, now, you, you, is everything on? Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. this thing it's, is on. <laughs> Well, Peter, oh, it's it's so it's so exciting to have you back on uh, to talk a little hockey. I mean, we've had such a we've had such an uh, like a crazy couple weeks now. We just uh, just got done with the expansion draft, which was interesting to say the least. I mean, great for uh, Seattle to finally name some uh, name have a team going, and uh, uh, it was just it's, it's just been really interesting. So, uh, well, what's your take so far? As we uh, go, uh, move ever so closer to free agency and eventually, you know, the uh, season start. Yeah, you know the expansion draft. Here's my question to you guys: There's so much talk about it during the course of the season, and you end up losing a player. The Avalanche lose Don Scoy, and, and that obviously is hurt. They have to do a couple of things. But did Seattle do a better job? of not worrying uh, or did the league actually do a better job of not worrying about you know the player that they were going to lose and overpay uh, Anaheim, Minnesota Florida for Vegas because I, I, I think that the league learned a lot from the last time around they exposed the players that they felt okay here you go and you know, I, I think that, you know, there, there wasn't the same kind of um, worrying about who you were going to lose. You knew you were going to lose a guy. Here are the guys who we're maybe not comfortable losing, but we know we're going to lose. And But let's not pack on a first-round pick and, you know, back up two other players and stuff like that. So it, it, was, it was very interesting to watch. And my takeaway was I love those uniforms. Hey, yeah, those those sweaters, uh, absolutely beautiful. I'm not a normally big fan of the whites, uh, like the away sweaters, just white sweaters in general. But I mean, way too dirty. I they think did. I think they uh, I think they did a really great job for the first one, and I'm gonna be very excited to see what they come out for. You know, third jerseys eventually. I think totally. the Kraken's a great. Uh, it's like it's a great it's a great thing to play off of. But uh, yeah. as as far as yeah, how the league dealt with uh, dealt with this expansion draft, I I have to. Agree with you there pete i I think everybody just kind of like you know put out the fires in in their minds as compared to you lost the vegas draft because that's exactly uh exactly what you said i mean everybody was overpaying to keep guys or you know to to uh you know um um, to not lose a guy that you know well maybe not won't even be around in five years anyhow so yeah i think a lot of the teams did not overplay their hand very well i mean obviously in, in the expansion draft, you're going to lose a guy anyways. The Avalanche were a good example in that, you know, they, they knew they were going to lose Graves. Graves, 
every single thing pointed towards that. And so they moved Greg before, and they got a second-round pick, and that okay, we knew we would lose him. He's a good player. You know, he's two years removed from being plus 40, leading the National Hockey League. He would have been perfect for Seattle, but instead of just losing him, the Avs get a second-round pick. Uh, you know, so it, I think it's, it's one of the situations where, you know, the teams really seem to get an understanding of what this whole expansion thing was about. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think they have a crazy talented team. I think I like the goaltending. I think they did a nice job there. The defensive core, very interesting, uh, is really big. They got a big defensive core. Oh, yeah. And you look Final four uh, teams in the National Hockey League in the playoffs, especially, say, Montreal and also Tampa Bay. Big defensemen, like big defensemen. I, I think they kind of said, okay, are we getting back a little bit to uh, you know, some size back there? Because, I mean, Montreal was 19th in the league during the regular season. And then they, you know, now Price really played well the first three rounds to get him into the finals. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, but that defensive core made life miserable, miserable for the opposition. So, you know, I think that they looks like they followed that a little bit. Oh, and and you know, and what what the observation that I kind of took from it is that uh, before Vegas, there hadn't been an expansion team for a while. So, a lot of these GMs were, uh, I would say, a little ill practiced on how to look at uh, how to look at an expansion draft. But as soon as, uh, so you know, you, you like Vegas was the Vegas expansion draft was kind of like really cutting a lot of GMs' teeth, and now. Now uh, Seattle, it's it's like okay. Now we saw what we did last time, and now we've got a better idea of how to, to how to ring about it. Because I mean, wh- when was the last expansion team? Uh, uh, Winnipeg. Yeah. No. Oh no, not not but, even Winnipeg. They yeah, just re- they just relocated. relocated. But that was but um it was Minnesota. Yeah. 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 So and in two thousand. Yeah. So yeah. you know you look back. It's, you know, and and another thing that when you when I looked at it, when I looked at the list of guys available, I think the first time through you didn't want to bruise guys' egos. So that's true. Your shame would have been protected. Your Hansen would have been protected. Price would have been protected. Mm-hmm. Some of these big name guys, but Seattle made it pretty clear they weren't taking on your bad contract. Your contract that was, you know, some guy was stretched out for another five years at eight million a year. You're hoping they're going to take them. They, they stayed completely away from that. I think teams realized that. I mean, if, if Price was just had a year or two years, maybe you'd take a shot. But he's at five years, $10 million. You look at it, you know, that's 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 pricey. Yeah. You know? uh, well, I see what you did there. They, they, that's, <laughs> I just realized it. Yeah. The recording genius just realized it. But yeah. Um, I also realized that it's really, really smart. What they did is that they just did it kind of for the future. They got their core, like, leadership out of the whole entire deal for right now. But they're also, they have 20 million to play with. Yeah. See? So and the sky's the limit for them. So they can make trades. They can hedge their bet in a sense. Oh, incredibly so. Yeah. 
Well, we saw what we saw that. Look at look at um, Arizona. Arizona took on a contract from the Islanders, and then they just uh, they took on a, a contract from Philadelphia, and they got two draft picks, which each one of those contracts buys, and they didn't have to give them anything. No, they gave it. It was no return. All you were was the salary dump, and you got four picks. Now Seattle's sitting in the same spot, with you know, okay, if you're going to give me a, a first and a, and a second for this guy, yeah, we'll take him for a year. And, it, and even though he's six million, it opens up your cap space. But I get a first and a second. So you know, there's, I think with Seattle, there's a lot more to come as the season goes along, as teams get desperate for cap space, because that's with a flat cap, and it's. It's a pandemic-ran thing, right? This year was supposed to be 88 to 90 million, the cap. That was, right. you know, the projected number that it was supposed to be. Well, that's a one really good player per team. You know, whoever you're thinking, that's a, that's a $7 million player per team that you can't get signed right now. And you're trying to find a way around it, or you're trying to buy out guys to get out from under some contracts so it's you know it's just it's it's part of what this whole thing is is about this year with the cap the pandemic and and all the stuff that goes around around it totally and you know they did a great job too they still have about 34 million dollars worth of cap to spend so free agency can say a lot and yeah to the season too so we'll see what comes Speaking of the cap, I mean, we uh, we right now we're looking at. Uh, well, let's take a look at the Avs real quick. Uh, just recently, we've been seeing some moves already. I mean, uh, just the Graves move, um, Matt Calvert retiring due to uh, post concussive syndrome, which is you know unfortunate to see a guy uh, leave the league like that. But uh, just to say, big congrats on a great uh, uh, on a great. Uh, career there, Maddie Calvert, uh, and yeah, you see Jonas Donskoy uh, go to um, go to the expansion draft. What does this mean for the Avs, Pete? Where uh, where where are we looking at? Uh, what are we looking at for the Avs now? Well, I mean, you know, I, I think a lot of people get afraid of talking about stuff that's just a reality. You got three guys to sign with the Avalanche. Two are unrestricted free agents, uh, Landis Fogg and, and Grubauer, and one is a restricted free agent. Who Dallas and Heskinen set the bar at about nine, you know, eight seven for eight years, and which McCarr's is better ridiculous. Play. That's just ridiculous. So, you know, so that's you know, and I think you know you have to kind of get things in order. Uh, how are you gonna How are you gonna get everybody in? And because then again, two years down the road, you're gonna have to sign, you know, Nathan McKinnon, and Nathan McKinnon, uh, you know, he's gonna demand. A lot of money and well-deserved money. You know, I was talking to my my friend, uh, well, actually, it was my family. They were saying, "What? Well, like, what is it with this McKinnon?" And I said, "Listen, here's what it is. With he's got it. When he gets the puck, you watch. When McDavid gets the puck, you watch. Matthews, one tick below. Kane is my favorite player, but he's a tick below. There's two guys." Like when Ovechkin and Crosby came in, they were must-see guys. Oh, 100%. And, and now, and when I go all, about, all the way back to when I played, you know, Bobby Orr, 
had it in spades. Oh my God. And I was on the bench, fortunately, I watched them. I actually got on the ice a couple of times against them. And it was just jaw drop. But there are so few players that have it. You know, that whatever it's worth in the market, I mean, that's what you have to pay. And what does what McDavid make? 12? Yeah. yeah. So, okay, you know, that's. There you go. I mean, it's that's not really a, an opinion as much as if, if you went to arbitration. How would it, how could you argue uh, that McKinnon is not worth? If you can you can say maybe a little less because of the numbers, but then you can you know you can you can go the other way and say, well, what about the playoffs and the way that McKinnon you know performs in the playoffs? You know, so you're you're really splitting hairs with those two guys, just like you'd be splitting hairs with Ovechkin and Crosby in their heyday. That's true. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, uh, just to even add on top of the, uh, you know, the case for McKinnon getting more money, I mean, just the fact that his defensive play has grown so much in these last few years, it's just, it's been, it's almost been like a complete 180. Like, it's... Well, he's a student. I can tell you for an absolute fact, and, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's a very quiet guy. He's not going to tell you, he's not going to tell you what he's studying, what he's learning, what he's, what he's doing. But you can see it on the ice, and you can see it in practice. You can see what he does, what he's working on, and you can see, as you said, he's getting his his overall game is just getting better and better. But, you know, you you had the raw skill for the first couple of years because I can remember very distinct. I mean, like people forget he won Rookie of the Year as a right winger. He yeah. was not a center, right? And so the. The, the, the idea was, what is he? Is he a centerman? Is he a right winger? And then all of a sudden, year you know, after year four, bang! He, I mean, the man just took up whatever you, whatever he you need he needed to do to get it, he got it. And it's just been a straight rise since that time. And you know, example for me personally, there was a night where Edmondson played the Avalanche, and I was doing the game between the benches and. McDavid, McKinnon, McDavid, McKinnon, and then they blew the whistle and there was a commercial. And I sat down on my little stool there and I, I, I just said to myself, I never in my wildest imagination thought the game would be played at that speed. It's mind-boggling how fast they are in complete control. And you guys want to laugh at something. I mean, uh, Petrangelo had one of the greatest lines you could I ever... I was going to get to that. Yes. Yes. Oh, you know, when, when here comes McKinnon, and you should see the eyes of these defensemen when McKinnon's coming down the ice. They're just like, oh, man. You know, what, what, what do I do? They pull into the middle, and they back up, and that's it. I mean, that you just you don't want to get, you know... Burned, you know, because there's. I don't know if there's a defenseman in the game now that, you know, if you lose half a step on McKinnon, you're absolutely dead. But how many guys can keep that gap at just the right pace so you can stay with him? He is because he's so strong, uh, you know. And there, there's the difference. I mean, uh, McDavid is uh, is much slighter than McKinnon. McKinnon is. I mean, you know, he's just this side. He's not going to be ever the beast that Landis dog is. But body-wise, he's six foot, two ten, and tank. I, 
And the man has become a full-fledged beast as far as working out and putting himself in shape. But I just think about, you know, the hit that he put on, you know, the, the I forget the player from Coyotes last season in the playoffs. Oh, Christian, Christian Fisher. Yeah. Just like throwing him out like a rag doll. And Christian Fisher yeah. is 600, like, uh, I mean, six, uh, six, six foot, uh, 190 pounds. He's not a small guy. No. And he's being flown around like a, a rag doll you by can tell. The air just got knocked out of him. He's on his butt looking at McKinnon going, I thought I had you. But he definitely didn't have him for, at all. And. Well, the thing about McKinnon, too, is he's just so random, he's unpredictable. So when he's flying down the ice, he's stick handling, no one knows who's going to shoot. So half the time, even if you do have the good gap as a defenseman, it's just like, do I, is he going to stick handle? Is he going to dump it or is he going to shoot it? Like, what am I going to do? He's just so unpredictable. Yeah, because he's just got a dead, just dead eye stare just straight ahead. Like, he knows what he's going to do. It's like a great white shark, yeah. you know, just like uh, taking down its prey. Well, and like Petrangelo... Everybody else just goes, oh no, when Nate, when Matt just starts coming in to whatever zone that they're it's in. It's a great, here we yeah. go. Yeah, we have this joke actually that we like to uh, we like to say, like uh, the, what, what's running through a defenseman's uh, mind when uh, Max coming down the wing, he's just like, oh crap, oh crap, oh no, oh crap, oh no. <laughs> well, he's behind me. <laughs> and, and one of the things that he has done really well is, is the adjustment that he's made offensively he used to you could you could force him to the right by overplaying the left a little bit he would come down he would, so you could get him from the dot to the board you could get him to come into the zone in that area and which if you can do that is an advantage because you're you, you kind of know what he's going to do now forget it he just started started to drift across the full, the half, yes. Now, now you have no idea where his point of entry is in the blue line. Uh, you've got no clue, and so you got the one defenseman, you got the other defenseman, you got the guy trying to stay with them, the back check, and they're just guessing. They're just guessing and hoping that he doesn't just explode right through. So he's, he is, he is something. I feel like the only thing that's really predictable about his game is when the abs go on a power play. I feel like, you know, that play as, you know, they're coming out of the zone, they drop it to McKinnon, he's flying up the ice at 80 miles an hour, and so a lot of the time it's like this only predictable part of it is kind of just knowing he's going to get the puck, but like you said there, Peter, once they get to the blue line, they have no idea what he's going to do. But how do you feel about that play with McKinnon on the power play? Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because it's the most important part of the power play is zone entrance. Oh, yeah. In, with control puck. And setting up the play. That's that's you know, you can talk about puck movements, very, very important. But getting into the zone, under control, all five guys in the right spot. But you know, one of the things you have to that in my mind, people sometimes has to underestimate is how well coached and how good these defensive players are. I mean, these defensemen now can skate. In the bad, bad, bad old days, I mean the defensemen couldn't skate. You know, but now these guys are so, you know, that it's a much different animal coming through that neutral zone. Teams of, if, if, you're, if you're, your tendency is one way, teams will eat you up. You have to have different looks. You have to have different ways of coming in. And so, you know, it, uh, I've heard pros and cons with that, you know, that, that play, drop it back, that jumps into the play. Do you get the team to stand still at the blue line? 
you know, all of these things. But again, in my mind, anytime he's got the puck coming up, where Landeskog really helps him, it's a left-right passing situation. Landeskog left, McKinnon right. Landeskog does a great job of being right at the blue line at the right time, pass the puck, gets into the zone. And again, that that's what you need to have. Because McKinnon's going to drive guys deep. There just is. And then Landy comes in in that little golf, they move it back to the car and away you go. So, is, you know, is there any power play that's perfect? Well, maybe Tampa Bay. <laughs> yeah, you got, right. Yeah, yeah, right there. <laughs> but For a while, this, in the playoffs, that, that, that thing was so beautiful to watch. It, it was frightening. But, you know, that's what you aspire to, right. having a power play like that. The Avalanche, you know, it, it's it, they've got a really good power play because they got really good players. Oh, yeah. So I, I got a question. Like, what, so we look forward now that we've you know we've lost uh, Don Scoy and Maddie Calvert. Um, I mean, obviously last year and the year before, uh, big focus was on uh, was our secondary scoring. Um, what are we looking at now? I mean, obviously uh, we protected Burakovsky and Kadri. Uh, still. Uh, hopefully, looking to sign Saad. Uh, what, uh, if if anything, are we making? Uh, do you think we'll make moves to uh, shore up more, uh, like uh, uh, the Donskoy role, or uh, do we see like someone like Logan O'Connor, who was protected this year? Surprise, surprise. Um, move into a Jonas Donskoy role. Like, where where do you see our secondary scoring after after you know? Well, again, you have to. I think. You've got to kind of stay in order. And the order is getting those top three guys some. And, you know, seeing what you've got left, to, it, you may not have money to go after some. You may have to go after somebody, because there are going to be players out there who, who think that they're going to get three and four year contracts that just aren't. The, the, with the salary cap being flat for this this time, players that expected to get contracts, it's going to, you're going to have to um, just see what's available out there and get the best deal you can for your family and yourself and not and not take it personally. And I think it's hard. It's hard to, to you know, two years ago, maybe three years ago, you're thinking, well, it come to 21, 22, I'm going to be a free agent. This is what I think I should make. And all of a sudden it backs off from that. Well, that's a lot of things have backed off from the situation in the last couple of years. So, um, you know, hopefully for the Avalanche, you know, you get the top guys signed. You've got obviously your captain. You've got all the goaltender. Well, then you start. Okay, now where are the top two players in the world? And then you know you can start to money to get a free agent. Is Saad, you know, who was proved himself a thousand times over in the playoffs. It was absolutely amazing to me what Saad did in the playoffs. He was a good, solid player in the. Um, regular season he was on a 27 goal pace nice season for him and my buddies in chicago said wait you just wait wait till the playoffs and he'll do something sure enough seven and ten i i, I mean it, he was he was just really he, he was a, a guy that you could see had won a couple of cups because he did the little things at the right time inside of games where other guys weren't as prepared maybe uh to seize the moment, and he there a couple of games. He just grabbed, you know, there was a puck that was there. It needed to, you had to work the guy, and he did. And you know, so he, I saw well, there might be a lot of clubs that say, hey, that's the kind of player that we need because I think Tampa two years ago 
got swept by Columbus and looked bad. Bad. Oh, yeah. doing. I mean, they, you know, a lot of, you know, they just didn't show up. And then they made a couple of subtle changes that seemed subtle. Uh, third line guys, fifth and sixth defensemen. And all of a sudden they had a different look and away they went. And so is Saad one of those guys for a lot of teams that, you know, he's a different look type guy. Maybe he's not flashy, but, you know, he's there every night. And when push comes to shove, you know, he's the big games. He'll be there. He'll be there in spades. And, you know, you hope for the avalanche sake because he's wonderful to watch. He's so smart. He just makes little plays, big moments. So, but, but someone's, someone's going to get him. And I, I hope it's the avalanche. Oh, you and I both, my brother. Well, and we've seen that like this whole entire year where she just shows up in those huge games where you really need sod. So, I mean, I'm hoping that we can just get him on a contract because he, I felt, was like a very good key piece to the Avalanche puzzle this year. I mean, there's, there's, I, I mean, just that, uh, you know, one of those first uh, Vegas games mm. when he scored that, you know, that weird goal with like five seconds left in, in the game. I mean, that was huge to, uh, to like just to be going into oh. the second period. Uh, yeah. So like, kind of being outplayed by the the Knights. To, I mean, he's just making big plays. So yeah, yeah. I, I, I truly, sincerely hope that we can figure out a way to you know uh, bring it back to Colorado so uh, that's I mean that'll be huge so uh, speaking of the more big time players goaltenders um, I mean Dubnik uh, UFA um, uh, Johansson signed for a year and then uh, Grubauer still uh, still waiting to sign a sign a, um, a contract uh, what do we do if uh, Grubauer and uh, the front office can't find a, a, a deal to sign on? Where, where are you looking? I mean, that's the that's what makes the job so difficult. There are not easy decisions to, on any of this. You know, if you wish it was like the bad old days when the Avalanche and Detroit were playing against each other, and there was no salary cap, and they just bring in high-priced players yeah. from all over the. And, it, you know, it didn't seem to care. Yeah, yeah. you're bringing well, now, in Korean Solani and just all these off guys just from these great lines from different teams. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking about a situation, you know, back then, apparently, you know, their their salaries were in around $90 million when the rest of the league was 30 and 40 because they were just, there was no cap and they were, they were rolling it because those were the two clubs. They knew if, which, whichever one won. The series they, that team is going to win, but you know that was a much that's a much different time. So every decision now you make, you know, is going to affect another decision. That's just the way it goes. To just example, just signing the car is going to trickle down all the way through as to what what's next, how much do we have left, and all of us. And that, it's the part of the game that I absolutely hate the most. I it's it drives me nuts. It's Number one, it's not my money. And number two, you just hope every player gets what they deserve inside of this game. And But it's, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's the nature of it now in sports. I mean, everybody knows what everybody makes. Everybody, you know, you look around and, and you see, you know, the, the different sports. And uh, 
how much money they're all making and things like that. So money is a big part of the conversation. It's not my favorite part by any means, but you have to be real and understand that, you know, that's that's the, what's going to happen in around in around these conversations. We, they got 81 and a half million. How are they going to spend it? Yeah, that's for sure. And well, let's go. Let's go back to a little bit of an old school part of the game. I think we've. Uh, I think we've really uh, uh, put the magnifying glass to what the Avs are going to do these years. Um, let's take it back to the old school days. But uh, all of us, we were we're kind of we've been kind of di- dying to ask you about uh, what happened in New York against Boston, man. I, like, uh, how did it start? Like. Like, what led to that whole entire, like, spat in the actual stand? Well, you know, it's what what is so interesting is that you guys, before we started to record and then, oh, you know, uh, are you comfortable talking about it? Do you know how many times I have talked about that to, to, to people, you know, and, oh, yeah. you know, they go back and there's the, there's been the five year anniversary, the ten year anniversary, the twenty year anniversary. You know, it was, it was in 1979, and you think by now it would have just died, and you know it was it was an interesting thing. But every year somebody will call and want, you know, say something, and I I'm like, you have to understand, this is that was the 70s inside the National Hockey League, you know, the Bruins were. The, in my mind, the toughest team, uh, Philadelphia, the Broad Street Bullies were running around. I mean, it was a it was a different game. We had guys with 460 penalty minutes in a year. Come on, I mean, you know, it's it's bench clearing brawls, line brawls. I mean, it 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 was just different. But the it was like this unusual, incredible, perfect storm. We're December 23rd. The rivalry is big rivalry between Boston and uh, Rangers because Phil Esposito had just recently been a couple years, but he just recently been traded from Boston, where he was a mega hero. Oh, mega yeah. hero. Oh yeah. It's huge. So it was a gigantic trade. And the score is four three. And somehow, some way. You know, somebody makes a, I think Greshner for them, defense makes a pass to Esposito. Inside of five seconds to go in the game, Esposito's got a breakaway. Well, how do you got a breakaway is, you know, beyond me. But if you watch the (laughs) No, but seriously, if you watch the play, somebody threw a tennis ball that landed right in front of Espo. So he took his eyes off the puck just a little bit. And Cheevers makes the save. So he, Espo's mad, and he circles around. Well, Espo and Esposito and Cheevers are great, great, great friends. Okay, so Espo gets around. He's mad, but he turns around, and he's going to come back and say, tell Betty Merry Christmas. That's, that's Jerry's wife. Well, <laughs> it looks like he's coming back to say something to Cheevers, you know, like out of anger. Not, not even close, but... What had happened previously is a couple of the rain players had taken a cheap shot at one of the Bruin players, and now they all come together. So I'm, I'm standing there going, here we go. It, it, this is just, we got, I could just see the guys pairing up that were going to go, and it was going to be a long, long 
nice. Just another and day I'm at watching. the office. <laughs> it's on the ice, and they're all mushed together, and they're yelling and they're barking, and there's nowhere to go. They, you know, they close the Zamboni door, so it goes into the corner. And if you look at it, and you see the the building in New York was built differently. They the construction right down by the ring. So the glass actually just came up to your knees if you were sitting in the front row. Ooh, so if you right. stood up, it came to your knees. So the plate it gets pushed over there. There's uh, 40 guys pushing in, angry. You know, they didn't like each other particularly. But a fan grabs a stick and starts just wailing away. And one of the things that really helped our case, oh, the Bruins, was that Stan, Stan Jonathan's helmet was split in half. That's how hard the guy hit was swinging. Oh, my God. And Stan was one of only two guys that wore a helmet. If this had been somebody without a helmet, that we're talking catastrophe. Oh, yeah. Oh, that would have probably split his skull right oh, open. Yeah. Exactly. So now it becomes really serious, really fast, in a different direction. So... Terry O'Reilly, he's standing there, and he puts his hand on the glass, and up he goes, and he grabs this guy. And the guy, I mean, the guy wanted was now he's petrified beyond all belief because you know, <laughs> Taz, <laughs> Taz face. is angry, mad, and he is tough as nails. Well, then all of a sudden, I'm standing there, I'm going, "Oh boy, this this guy is just going to get the crap kicked out of him," and all of a sudden. This other guy starts coming, starts kicking Taz in the head. And I'm going, oh, this this is no good. And I'm standing there, and I was close to where so I go up. And as I come up, he starts to run. He starts to run up the stairs. And I said, no, 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 you're not, you're not, you're not getting away. <laughs> the funny part was, we're up there, and I grab him. And I, I've got leverage on him. And I push him down onto the seat. And I won't say the guy's name, but I got him down on the seat. And I said, you know what? You are so lucky that it's me. If it was one of these other guys, you'd be, you're, you know, you'd have your head kicked in by now. And one of the other really tough guys, the head's sitting right there. He goes, Maxi, you're right. And he, he hit him so hard. In the- <laughs> Push. That is is just not good. You know, I boom. Because it just just hammers him. So then over my right shoulder, Mike Milbury. And Mike was downstairs. Now he's come upstairs. He goes, Maxie, what's going on? I said, I don't know. He said, This is just somebody's got Stan, I mean, Taz over here. So instead of just letting the situation go, the guy kicks at Mike Milbury. So Mike grabs his foot and stops him from kicking. So Mike takes it. And when we were being interviewed for our suspension meeting, I said to the, I realized that these owners hadn't really looked at this film. They had just seen it a bunch of times. And I said to the, to the, the head guy, the head owner, I said, okay, now let's get this straight. How many times did Milbury hit the guy with the shoe? <laughs> okay, you guys, how many times did Milbury hit the guy with the shoe? Oh, just a couple. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was just a handful. Oh, my God. No, there is an answer to this. And the guy said, it doesn't. 
And I said, there you go. You watched it a dozen times. He hit him once with the shoe. That's all. <laughs> but you thought so many times that because Mike went whack and he looked at it, he go, a penny loafer. Maxie, he's got a penny in here. And he <laughs> that was the best part. Best goes, one cent you ever penny. spent. <laughs> Just throws it out of the ice. Well, you know, the, then the, the police start showing up and we all funnel down and it's Christmas. We we didn't we weren't flying like charter. We had to catch the Delta commercial flight from from LaGuardia back to Boston. So we're on the bus and we're, we're drinking beer. We're going back and have a party when we get back. We completely forgot about it. Completely. Like, <laughs> you completely missed your flight? Oh, dude. We got a team party and it was not brought up. It was not brought up. It wasn't until the 26th where it started to trickle down that, you know, people were upset. People would watch this, you know, that something might happen. And we're like, why? I mean, these guys were. The guy had a stick. He was doing this and this, and then it's then it snowballed, and everybody was. I think, but but you know that being said, Asgard was suspended for eight games. Can you imagine that now going in and beat beating a fan up? How many games that would cost you? Oh my uh, gosh! I, I don't think you can put a number on it. I, 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 the a fines. full season, you know. I, but it it, it was so funny. But the, the great part was, I, you know, my daughters, every, every couple of years, you know, I'll, I'll see that look in their face where one of their classmates, right, has said, is that you, you know, and, I'll, and I said, so I got her, I said, that's the only thing people remember about my silly career. Nothing else. <laughs> just just what, one sad night in New York, you know, but that's it. <laughs> no playing, playing there, doing this. Well, it was one sad night, but. Really and truly, part that to this day amazes me is how we didn't think twice. It was, it happened. Believe me, trust me, and understand this. There were so many worse things that happened on the ice that, as opposed to this, this was tame. Oh. This was that the, the brawls that they had on the ice. You, you uh, it was it, those bench clearing brawls. There, I. There, there is nothing worse than grabbing a guy and being prepared off with a guy that you got no shot at beating. He is going to beat you senseless. And you just got to try and protect yourself as best you can because there's no one's going to stop it. The referees, they're not going to get involved in those things back then. Oh, they no wouldn't stood up and afford to burn stuff out. So, you know, it, it was certainly just different times, but, you know, the. the it, we're playing in Boston. They love them. They absolutely love them. <laughs> and I mean, that's the story. It, I mean, even to this day, I mean, you know, Boston Bruins fans are just absolutely uh, in love with you know just the uh, the real the real uh, rough kind of stuff, man. I mean, oh, I mean, and, and you you know you run it through, and we had just left the Bobby Orr year. He got traded to Chicago the year that I got there. And the disappointment inside of that city uh, with this, I, I don't, I, I don't think I can even describe it. I mean, he was so beloved in that city, and we're coming in, and we got a completely different look, and uh, the iconic character coach Don Cherry, and, and but no helmets, 
small arena, Boston Garden, everybody's on top of you. And, you know, it was, the, the fans really liked that team because it it played hard. It, you could tell they enjoyed, you know, the friendships and the team, being a teammate and all that stuff. So it, it, uh, it, it was really a fun time. It was, it was a great time to be uh, in the leagues, you know, different, you know, uh, but certainly it was fun. You know, when I when I talk to people these days and they, they talk to me like, oh, well, I only watch hockey for the fighting. I'm like, well, you, yeah, you, like I'll show them I'll show them the battle of, you know, Colorado and Detroit. And, right. You know, and, you know, Hextall's goalie fights. And I mean, obviously uh, that that night in New York and all that. And and so many people these days it just doesn't it just doesn't happen these days anymore yeah like that i mean um yep you'll get you'll get a line brawl every now and then i mean i think the last line brawl i saw was you know that washington new york uh game last last season after the whole tom wilson thing yep it's a and it's it really has changed i mean what what uh what's kind of your outlook on it you know like just the sheer difference of the league now compared to then i mean obviously it's a stark well, difference. It's, it's it's been evolving it's changing the league wanted to get fighting out of the game yeah again you and i were t- we were talking before playoffs came and went this year with six fights total and you know it's the game is policed differently by the players i mean you don't think it's not physical it's ridiculously mm-hmm. physical i mean there were games that i watched where there are 150 hits that means every time you touch the puck, you're going to get hammered. And so there's no lack of physicality, none at all. But the, the drop in the gloves, and you know, you know, I, I, I still, I take exception to announcers that say, oh, wait till next game. There, there wasn't one continuation fight all in, in any of the games all year. There wasn't one situation, the playoffs, pardon me, where a situation in one game led to craziness in the next didn't happen that's not how that these guys do it anymore so but they they do their own thing boy they they play it tough it's it's a tough game oh yeah i mean the 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 speed that's in the game today it's like i mean if you if you're getting hit i mean almost going like half speed it's still like getting ran into by a freaking car basically i mean if you see gabe landscog i mean I, I i always joke with with gabe you know, I'll be in the locker room when we when we can go into the locker room, and he'll take his shirt off, and I'll say, "Gabe, put your shirt back on, please." You know, that's supposed to be what a human being looks like. You know, that's it's just chiseled and this and you know, big. Then I got to take my sorry shirt off, look at myself, and hey, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's all <laughs> sight. You, you want a tilly, but I'm you, kidding. You're preaching <laughs> to the choir, buddy. Every time I take my shirt off, like uh, nobody's nobody's whistling at me. I'll, I'll tell you that right no. now, guys. And they're all the same way, you know. Uh, the you know the body fat four, five, six percent. Unless know, you're I, Pat I, Maroon. I, yeah. Or Castle. That's true. But he, he added something to, to the two teams he's been on. Yeah. <laughs> Accident. It, it, you know, people say, oh, he's lucky. Yeah. I'm sure he's lucky. I mean, but he added to the mix that allowed them to win. Yeah. No, no question. And that's. It's a it's a special ingredient. They had a guy here in the with the Avalanche 
that helped them win. He came over with Patrick Waugh, Mike Keane. Oh, yeah. Keane was the sharpest, funniest, but biting sarcasm about teammates if they weren't doing something. And he kept it light. If you took yourself seriously, it was, he, he banged. Keen would just drop you like a sack, you know, and, but you have to have that. You have to have the guys that, you know, if you just turn everything over your stars, you know, it, it's, that's, that doesn't work. It, the locker room's got to be, the locker room has got to be a bunch of equal people. When you're on the ice, everybody knows who the stars are. Everybody knows who's going to play in certain situations. But in the locker room, it's got to be much more equal. If it's not, then you've got this group over here, and that usually that group has the money, and this group over here, and usually this group doesn't have. And then this group starts talking, and this group starts feeling, and it just goes south. And we, the, the locker room has to be the one place where everything is equal, and in a good locker room, you cannot believe the stuff that is said. Oh, <laughs> It put it absolutely for sure, no holes barred. I mean, nobody. The only people that you seldom hear about are moms. They'll stay away from moms. But other than that, everything is fair game. Oh, but yeah, it's it, no holds barred, it's, baby. Yeah. It's no holds barred. I mean, uh, we've uh, we've been in locker rooms uh, uh, like you know, pretty much our whole career. I mean, even in you know the Pee Wees and the and the the Bantams. I mean, we you know we still get we, we cut deep, but it's it's all out of <laughs> out of love, of course. Well, it, it, I learned this early because if you when when it, 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 it's some of these things that are first said to you. You're not sure how to take them because you know a lot of times you haven't been subject to it. But you know it's and it's it was true then. But I first heard it and it's true now. If you can't take a joke, you are a joke. You got to be able to laugh at yourself. Oh yeah, you it's, have to. It's Fully like me every day it, on it, the job site. Like yeah, yeah. You no, know, like the the great way we started this uh, recording. <laughs> The recording master over here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Turns around, though. Right. You just got to roll with it. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and you see these guys that take it personally and they're pouting in the corner. You know, those are the first guys that you got to get rid of because, you know, you some guys are better at it than others, certainly. But you got to laugh at yourself. It's nobody, nobody plays the game perfectly nobody lives perfectly nobody is perfect so whatever you just gotta be able to laugh you know you uh, you can't take life too seriously or you'll never get out alive <laughs> that's for sure <laughs> well, uh, so um so i gotta ask i've heard i've heard uh like you know the abs locker room right now is you know a good gr- group of guys who do you think's that uh mike king guy these days if anybody- you know what I- Here's, here's uh, I, in my mind, uh, the one thing that uh, is just a truth. You never know inside of a locker room who those guys are, who the leaders are. I remember I had a really, really good friend who was, uh, I got to Boston, and a group of tr- absolute died-in-the-wool characters as well as really tough, strong guys. Yeah. And his, he said to me, oh, it must be nice to have leaders uh, like this guy and this guy. And I looked at him and I went, is that what you think? That those two? He said, yeah, well, you know, aren't they? I said, 
not even close. In a locker room is built onto itself. And a locker room, when there's just the 20, 22 guys sitting there, that's when it becomes a locker room. That's when it becomes a team. You drop trainers in, assistant coaches in, head coaches in, reporters in, it changes. It changes immediately because some guys don't like to talk. Some guys aren't going to talk. Some guys will talk more. And so the purest it is going to be is when it's just those 22 guys inside the locker room. And you want as many of those minutes with your team as you can get. Know that. And don't come flying into a locker room when the game is over. You let the team talk about what they need to talk about. You know, there may be an occasional trainer just ghosting around a little bit doing this and that. But you got to let the team. And that's where the Keens come. And you just don't know. You, you know, they learning about Mike Keen was years later. You know, that wasn't something that you just all of a sudden, oh, because they're going to tell you that in the locker room. No, you find out about that years later. And so I couldn't tell you, you know, who, who that guy is with the Adelaide. If I, if, I, if I had to guess, I would say probably pierre Edward. Just like I, the, the guy just seems like he's got such an incre- incredible character. Well, I mean, he's there's a guy that's going to be unbelievably successful. And whatever he does uh, when his career, when his career is done, you know he's smart, articulate. Uh, you know he's personable, great with people. You know so many attributes that that lend him to be successful in life. Yeah, absolutely. I, I well, you know, you, you can see it like uh, you know when they're stepping off the ice. You know, he's always the guy. You know, giving these yeah, these bet. awesome, really cool handshakes, and they're different handshakes to every single uh, one of the guys. I just like, I love seeing that kind of stuff because it takes me back to you know when I was playing. It was just like you know you've got you got some like if if you got a really good cohesive uh, like uh, locker room, you got something with every single guy in there. It's not it's not just like a blanket kind. Kind of uh, oh well yeah you're on my you're on my team so we're gonna be friends it's like it's a true like it's it's a true connection and I and I love the, and I just to see that uh, through uh, Belzy is just like I it, it shows me that that guy truly well, cares you, you, you can absolutely tell that he is has a relationship with every single guy in that team there's oh, no yeah. no he won't allow a click to work because he'll just break it up say yeah. no 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 no, not on my watch. This we all we'll all go out together, and that's it. And that's even like when he goes around, like in the opening, like skate around. He bumps into guys just gently, and like he didn't do his after-game ritual handshakes and the bumping in for a few games. They're like, "Why'd you stop? Why?" No, that that we, you need to continue this. Yeah. Oh, uh, and that's kind of why. Uh, well, when uh, you know, uh, when we acquired Devin Dubnik, I think we can we all realize that there was a, a lot of uh, hard feelings between Abs fans and Devin Dubnik. <laughs> and uh, when we acquired him at, so at first, I was like, fence. "Really, Devin Dubnik?" And then I see him the first game. He actually dresses. He's out there, like literally, you know, tapping every guy and joking around with it. I'm like, "Oh, well." Yeah. Damn it! Now I gotta like Devin Dubnik, you know. <laughs> Once again, it goes back to the culture in the locker room that is no. built from the leaders that is just leached down to the everyone, everyone. God, I, I have to leave. I have a, a, a phone situation I have to take care of. But please, let's keep in touch. 
And after the 28th, let's talk again because let's see what this avalanche looks like. Absolutely, man. Yep. That, that sounds like a wonderful idea. Uh, Peter, as always, it's so fun talking to you, man. Um, yes, thank you for coming on. Oh, uh, yeah. Thank oh, you. No. no. No problem. And I'd love to, but every once in a while, when you got, like, my grandmother said to me, if you don't want family problems, then don't have a family. So, you know, you got five girls. <laughs> Five girls, grandchildren, the whole thing. Stuff's going to happen. Oh, so. yeah, you're no. not in the gamut. But, yeah. all right, well, thank you, uh, thank you, Peter. You, uh, always a blast talking to you. And, yeah, we'll talk to you here soon, buddy. All right, thanks for coming on, Pete. Yeah, have a good weekend. Have a good one. Go Avs. You too, brother. Go Yeah, you better believe it. Well, all right, boys. That was uh, one hell of an episode, I got to say. Uh, you guys want to throw some shout-outs before we uh, say goodnight? Um... I mean, once again, to my dog, Remy, but, um, I mean, yeah, my beer nation, dog nation, um, I mean, all of our listeners, and, yeah, you guys. Couldn't have said it better myself there, Rossi. Um, other than that, a big shout-out to the Avs. Let's have a much better season next year. The new schedule came out, so I'm excited. Oh, yeah. We we play the Hawks first, right? Buddy? Yes, sir. That'll be that'll be a fun one. You're coming, right, Cody? Oh well, you know, absolutely. <laughs> Nipping I, I at never, the heels. I never I never miss a game. You're opener. gonna wear a Jonathan Taze jersey, though. Oh, you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> 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 well, anyways, yes. Um, big ups to Peter McNabb. Always a fun time talking to him. Gotta love the guy. Uh, really stoked that we got to hear a little bit about that uh, brawl in uh, New York there. that was <laughs> awesome cool. yeah, but uh, yeah just huge shout out to Dog Nation My Beer Nation uh, big shout out to our monthly supporters uh, Vivian Smith Nicole Vale Lexi Schilling Brooke McAllister uh, Todd Sawatsky and um, yeah, thank you to all the listeners without you guys we, we we couldn't do what we do and we love doing what we do so keep listening we, we love you so much and um well, until next time, uh, V Horsh. Avidas and Salut. Let's try the damn thing, see what happens.